and welcome to The Mason Jar on the Circe Institute Podcast Network. I am David Kern, and as always on The Mason Jar, I am joined by Cindy Rollins. Cindy, how's it going? It's going very well. It's very beautiful here today. It's oh, a little warm. We're sad about it not being a little bit chillier, yeah. but um, it's still beautiful. Same here. We need to get that crispness back in the air. We had some crisp in September, and it seems to have just wafted away with the leaves, and now it's warm. I know we had the same thing. We thought we were going to have a very cold fall and we got all excited because it was unseasonably cool. And then it just has been unseasonably warm ever since then. <laughs> who, who knows? Maybe we'll all get lucky. I imagine it's got to have something to do with the hurricanes that everyone's been dealing with. Yeah, a lot of humidity. Yeah, so. it's been pretty humid. Well, of course, you know, every if those of you who are listening who've been affected by all this crazy weather all across the country from the fires in California to the hurricanes in Texas and in Florida and um, so many other kinds of storms. We certainly uh, wish you well and if we can do anything to to help please let us know um, whether it's you need a, a book replaced or something like that we'd be happy to help or, or if you just need some you know prayers you know please let us know how we can help. Um, if you have if you're on the Mere Motherhood Facebook group and you have something you want to share or some kind of help you need uh, that seems like a great place to also just, you know, let people know how they can help them. We've got lots of great listeners and people who are participating who, you know, would be would be more than willing, I think, to, to help out. So um, we know there's a lot of people dealing with a lot of stuff. So um, sometimes, uh, sometimes we can sit down to do these podcasts and it feels like, you know, there's so many people dealing with so much that, you know, how much is our little show actually doing? But hopefully it gives people, some, you know, a little bit of distraction or at least some encouragement along the way somewhere. Yeah, it's really rough when there's, uh, it seems like we've had especially hard time um, in the culture in general lately between the weather and just, um, just all the, all the news and just a very difficult time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, hopefully shows like this, you know, for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever, give people some encouragement. And that's what we're here for. So we are going to answer some questions from listeners this week. It, it's the uh, it's the Mere Motherhood or the Mason Jar, I guess, uh, Q&A episode this month. Do you ever get do you ever just say Mere Motherhood when you mean Mason Jar and vice versa? I do it all the time. Yeah, I kind of get it all mixed up. trying Yeah. <laughs> Uh, keep it straight. You're creating an empire and no one can keep it straight. <laughs> no way. Yeah. No way. <laughs> I'm not creating an empire. No way. If I was, I would go hide in a hole. Well, we've talked, we've been doing um, the, Q, the Q&A episodes, obviously, and we've been doing the interview episodes. Those have been pretty consistent. We've talked about adding episodes um, with some, some mason jar, I mean, with some mason jar content focusing on the actual works that Charlotte Mason put out. So hopefully we'll, we'll be, you know, producing and putting out some things like that more consistently. And then we're also going to be going to be going to begin. I cannot talk today. We're going to begin sharing some of Cindy's talks as well that she's given at different homeschool conventions and um, Turkey conferences and such. So starting in November, I think we're going to start kicking those off more regularly. At least that's that's the goal here at here in our um, you know, in, in our perfect world of plans, right? Um, right, right. That, that's yeah. the goal. We have many different shows that we're, we're going to be putting out uh, here on the Cersei Institute Podcast Network, including starting on November 1st, we are going to be uh, bringing back The Commons, and it's going to be what we're calling The Commons Season 2. And if you ever listen to that, that's our show with Brian Phillips, where he, he interviews different interesting people about interesting people. And what we're doing now is each new season is going to be 10 episodes. It's going to be 10 straight weeks, and it's going to be focusing on um, a important 
group of people. So it could be famous Romans or famous Greeks that are important. But this first season, beginning on November 1st, which is All Saints Day, is going to be on uh, important church figures. So uh, Dr. Phillips has lined up a bunch of different interviews uh, on figures like John Chrysostom in the 2nd century and the 3rd century, all the way up through the Puritans. So 10 episodes on important church fathers beginning November 1st and running in... uh, through the through Christmas time, basically through into the, into the uh, twelve days of Christmas, so that's going to be uh, really exciting, and uh, we've got some great guests lined up on these on these different important uh, people in church history, and it kind of coincides with you know the five hundredth anniversary of the Reformation, and there's just so many different interesting things going on in church history that are being celebrated right now that we thought this is the perfect time to launch that. So be on the lookout for that you can you'll be able to subscribe to that as its own show or just find it on the Cersei Institute podcast network feed if that's something you're interested in yeah that's a perfect thing for mother culture you know Charlotte Mason talks about mother culture and a lot of moms she even had a um a, a plan kind of like a Ambleside year for moms and Ambleside online is, is an, under working on actually bringing back this whole mother um, education. I think it was called the mother's education course. I'm not sure about that, but um, the podcasts are really like that. You, you, um, you really get a chance to, to learn about some things that, that um, you haven't learned about before. I know I have, and it's, that's awesome. Yeah, we're going to also be doing a show in the spring. It's going to be Matt Bianco's show, actually, and he is writing his um, dissertation this fall, and his focus is Plato. So we're going to kind of take his mm. his time that he's been researching and studying Plato, and we're turning that into a podcast as well that's going to be eight or ten episodes where he's just has these questions that he's asking while he's doing his studies and he's going to bring guests on to help him understand what's going on in Plato. So that's another one we're going to do. West Call- oh, that explains some of his Facebook posts. <laughs> yeah. Wes Callahan is going to be joining us to do a show basically where he tells the stories of the Roman emperors. It's just going to be like Wes Callahan tells history stories basically. Um, wow. Uh, we're working Wes's on... Wes's lives, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we're going to be doing um, some shows... Uh, involving my parents and my dad and just we got lots of stuff coming down the down the pipeline at, so to speak so be on the lookout for all that stuff but today we're here to talk about charlotte mason and answer some questions yes, yes. so uh we got three questions for people uh, this this week this comes from renee she says can we talk about goal setting for moms it's good to be reminded that children are not projects or products to be measured but souls, that mothering is a work of faith and we should leave the outcome to God. But how do you honor that while keeping yourself accountable to helping your children be the best they can be? Um, And she goes on to say, I appreciate the advice uh, to just keep plugging away faithfully every day and be patient because we won't see the results for years. But are there little waypoints? If you have to wait till they're adults to see the fruit of your labor, what are you expecting to see in the next five years or even the next one year? This is a great question. Yeah, it really is a great question. And I I actually feel um, the frustration of that because I remember being a young mom and talking to older moms and basically feeling that same thing, that they're patting me on the head and saying, don't worry, honey, it's all going to work out okay. And and, and they're right. It is. I mean, it is in the sense that, um, you know, God is in control. But at the same time, feeling like, well, yeah, but I'm actually in the day to day of this. What what can I do to facilitate yeah. this? So yeah. um, uh, Renee and, and in and a personal note, Renee was my roommate in Orlando last year and I oh, had wow. a great time with her. She's a wonderful mom and she has the most adorable children ever. <laughs> She's got these cute 
really cute children and she does a fantastic job with them. But, um, I think there's a couple things that, that you can do here. Um, number one, and, and the whole idea of habit training, it, it, it can be overwhelming to a mom with a large family because you, you just feel like, you just can't keep up with all these habits. But I do think it's kind of nice to have yearly goals to look at like each child. I used to let my children set their own yearly goal. Like what are, and I do think it's good to place it on them. So um, you can talk to a child at the beginning of the year, even a very young child. And you can say to your five-year-old, well, well, what are some ways that you struggle or what is something you need to work on in your life? And you can, and you can try to back off and let them think about through that on their own. And maybe they'll come up with some things like, well, I need to try to be a little nicer to my brother or, um, you know, maybe I, I'm not going to tease my sister anymore or um, I, I'm not I, I would like to start making my bed. You know, we, we don't need to downplay the the fact that making their bed is a practical goal, but it actually is a character goal also. So when you when you you may not be able to affect their hearts by just, you know, getting in there and rearranging everything the way you'd like to, you can give them little solid goals to do that, that do ultimately affect who they are as people and how they think about the world. So, um, so you could, you'd really have to, you really have to start very, very small. You do have to remember it's a long haul and not to get frustrated. And um, the sad thing about habits, you have to be consistent. That is probably the hardest thing for moms because uh, everything in life is conspiring to make you inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, when huh. from the moment you wake up in the morning, every plan that you have is under constant attack. So um, it's hard to be consistent, but it does, when we're talking about habits and see, actually measuring progress in our children, you know, I think it does, It it's very good to, to come apart sometimes, think about your children as souls and just decide where I need to be praying for them. What what mm. do I need to be praying for? And, and and sometimes you you might look at a child and say, you know, I don't know if this child knows the Lord. Uh, maybe they've made a profession of faith, and maybe they haven't. But you're not sure about their where they stand with Christ, and so it gives you a chance um, not to nag them so much as to look for you know be, pray for them and be aware of opportunities. That God, when a God opens the door for you um, to say the right thing here and there, um, there is so much to be said for praying and waiting on the Lord and then acting when he gives you ideas. So really, that would be the plan. Pray, wait, and then act as God opens doors. And I don't, you know, I'm not going to be able to say when those doors are going to be. Sometimes a mother does have a panic and anxiety comes over her as she looks at one of her children. Um, but once again, the answer to that is to pray because, um, you know, we, we don't need to have anxiety because these children do belong to the Lord and, and they're not our product and we can't just get in there and fix them. I mean, you really do feel sometimes as a parent that, oh, if I can just, you know, get in there and fix this before it's too late. Yeah. If you could just, if you could just screw this tight a little, this, this loose screw a little tighter, or if you could (laughs) just top off the oil. (laughs) That's right. I mean, yeah. it, you feel like it because as their babies, you know, you 
most of the things are, you know, I just have to feed the child. I just have to change his diaper. I just have to make sure he yeah. gets enough sleep. Um, those things are in your control. But then mm. there are those things that most of mothering is outside of your ultimate control. But it is, but you do, but you, and the other thing I always say is make hay while the sun shines. Mm-hmm. When you're having those good days, do be consistent and, and, and get the schoolwork done because yeah. there are going to be those times when you, which are out of your control when someone gets sick and someone, um, is, you know, there's just, you you know, the, your parents need you or, um, you know, just all the myriads of life, the hurricane hits, you know, a, a tornado fire. Um, when, and during those times you can't, you can't get as much done. And so, um, I always like to do the very best with the times that I have that I'm, I am in control of. So, um, that always happens at the beginning of the school year too. Um, you, you really have a lot of control in August and September, but by the end of October, um, the, with the holidays starting to come up, everything, uh, the schedule, there's a lot, there are a lot more outside events and suddenly things are a little bit more out, out of your control. So um, in that period of time, you may not have the control, but in August and September, you want to get as many good school days in as you can. Hmm. But, but yeah, it's a, it's rough to be, to, to not have, um, um, you know, not as far as developing grit, I think, um, which she mentions earlier in the letter, you, you really do have to step back and let, in order to allow, you can't really develop grit for someone else. The, the key to developing grit in your children is not doing anything, not stepping in, not not relieving them, not making it easier for them. Hmm. Do you, um, did you find that it was difficult for you to, to do that and to, you know, the part that I didn't read was she said something like, I want them to go through pain to master something. Um, or for that to be able to happen to them without, I guess the implication is without her stepping in and, you know, making it easy on them. Did you find that difficult or were you the kind of mom who was like, eh, let them suffer? (laughs) Yeah, kind of both. I mean, there were times, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not very good when my kids were sick. I I was more like, okay, just go find someplace to get it out of the rest of our, everybody else's way. Um, when I was sick, when I was a little girl, my mom made it very pleasant for me. I think I've talked about that before. Um, I'd stay home from school and she'd wait on me hand and foot. And it was just really highly motivating to be sick often. Uh, but with my kids, it was just more like, I don't know what to do with you. Just, just go somewhere and sit down and, and just hopefully you'll feel better. (laughs) And mostly, mostly they did. But I also, as I, I noticed as I've gotten older and, I'm much more empathetic and I'm much more an, an enabler. So with my younger kids, I, I wasn't as, uh, as strict and as hard on them as I was with my older kids. And I don't know that that was especially good for them. I think it was, hmm. it, there, that's why grandmothers don't make the best parents. Uh, grandparents don't make the best parents. Uh, they, they <laughs> tend to be, they tend to have lost their, a little bit of their edge. I mean, they have some wisdom they, they maybe don't, you know, draw lines in the sand unnecessarily, but they also maybe, um, are a little too, um, understanding it when they should just be, no, you know, you got to tough this out. Mm, mm, yeah. But 
But you always want your kids, even when they're toughing something out, you always want them to feel that you're on their side, that you're on, that you are for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of toughing something out, the next question is a subject which involves sometimes involves a lot of toughing things out. Uh, Amanda wants to know your thoughts on the purpose of memory work. Is the purpose to write on our hearts scripture and other beautiful works to train the mind in the discipline of memory, to familiarize ourselves with great works that help us to know and appreciate our culture and heritage, or is it something else? How important is it to revisit previously studied scripture, hymns, poetry, etc.? Is it enough to spend 12 weeks memorizing a psalm, for example, and simply savor the words then, or should they be revisited so as to, uh, to stay fresh in our mind? So I guess she's saying... Uh, savor, simply savor the words then, like during that time, or should they be revisited so as to stay fresh in our minds? Yeah, I think, it, yeah, this is a really good question. And I think there's a lot here and a lot to think about mem- memorization. And we, and we think about memorization a lot. Um, in, I think about it a lot because I think about it in remembrance because I think so much about remembrance and I think memorization is part of remembrance. I think the discipline of memory is the least important part of memorization. I Hmm. think that um, it's there and it's good. But like all, um, you mean like the habits of just doing it and pushing through yeah. and, and repeating yeah, like the things benefit and... of memorization is not that I can repeat this the rest of my life, trip through it without thinking twice, you know, yeah. that is the least benefit of, it's not that it's not a benefit, but it's not the most important benefit. It's also uh, the least attainable reason to memorize for most people. <laughs> Yes, that's right. And it can be discouraging if you're if you if you're not the, the person who can memorize word perfect um, to think that there's no benefit because look that, you know, but I don't think that's it at all. I definitely think that um, we want those as far as scripture goes, we want those words written on our hearts. Um, the good news about scripture is we have the Holy Spirit and he can he can also use poetry, too. Um, but. He, the Holy Spirit does work with scripture in our hearts. So when we have the scripture in our hearts and we're in a position where we need that scripture, um, the Holy Spirit does usually bring it to our minds and we have it there. So, so that's where I feel like that, that's where we're working with Christ to, um, and it's not so much that it has to be word perfect. Much of the scripture I've memorized I didn't plan on memorizing or try to memorize um, so many verses in the Bible. I know the rest of the verse as someone starts it, not because I memorized it, but because I've heard it so much and read it so much over mm-hmm. the years that it's, it, it is in my heart and mind. It isn't really this uh, discipline of memory. It's just the actual um, beholding, that the constant beholding um, that has yeah. made me memorize it. Mm-hmm. So... But but they're all they're all those things are important. Our cultural heritage is very important. Um, that's why I, I talk about singing folk songs. I I think those things carry with them, as I always say, a DNA that that but that but that's there whether we memorize them word perfect or not. Hmm. So I think there are some things that we want to memorize because we're going to and to review those things is helpful because then we they are fresh in our minds and i I like review to me review view made me feel better it made me feel like we still had something for some of the kids the review was really the learning it because they had never learned it in the first place but we were reviewing it so it just brought it back up again um so you talk in your morning time 
handbook, which people can get at our website if they don't have it. Um, you talk about different things that you memorize. You give lots of suggestions, different passages of scripture that are ideal for memorization and different poems and things like that. And um, you talk about this a little bit there, but how did you go about choosing what you wanted your kids to learn when? Was it just things that you were interested in or did you spend a lot of time really thinking about the different times they were in their life or how did you go about doing that? Because I, mean, I feel like if it were me, I, you know, as someone who enjoys poetry and things like that, there'd be just so many to choose, so many different poems or anthologies I could choose from to have my kids memorize, but it's almost paralyzing trying to figure out which ones I'm going to prioritize. It's like choosing a great yeah. book. Sometimes you, you look at the 40 great books that are on the library shelf and you think, well, I, I can't read all these. So you almost don't read any. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And it, there, it, it, it is true. I think there were things like when my kids were in high school, um, we, because we, I talked about us doing Giles Kirk, which is now called King's Meadow, which is Dr. Grant's curriculum. Um, he always had suggestions like, uh, he, he would do the, um, the, what's the Milton poem on, um, light, not, not mm-hmm. the poem on, um, not his famous poem on, on you know, how, 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 shall I consider how my life is oh, like? Yeah, is, yeah. Yeah. But he has an, uh, it was something from Paradise Lost. I forget the name uh, of it. Okay, but it, okay. he has, he has some, uh, they had some very difficult poems at my high school kids. And, and high school kids really enjoy that because they want, they like to think that what they're learning is a challenge to them for the most part. And yeah. they they don't want it to be watered down. So uh, taking advice from people that knew more than I did was helpful to me. When I first started out, I did pick out things that were very um, a, like a little brother follows me and um, yeah, how do you yeah. behave in church and a lot, lots of really moral poems that I really wish I'd skipped altogether, but I didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, you know, they became kind of jokes because I remember – one of the ones was about a little girl who, how did the mother guess which of the children loved her best? And of course, it was the child who had done all the work. And all the children, you know, the one child said that they loved their mother, but really they went off and did their own thing. But the other, the little girl that didn't say she loved her mother was actually doing all the work, which kind of reminds me of um, uh, what I want, I keep one, uh, uh, King Lear, uh, where. Oh, yeah the daughters but um you know so as a joke it came around their house well how do you think that mother guessed which of them really loved her best <laughs> but it was kind of a a weak joke because um there is that temptation in a family to think you know the grease the person the goody two shoes is more appreciated than the person who <laughs> who is um not quite as um so so yeah there's 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 you have to i think taking the advice of people who you respect on that is the best way to go about that or, or finding um, really good anthologies and just um, just picking something and, and working through it. Most everything has some value. Some things don't, but uh, most everything else, um, as long as it's not insipidly moral, it, it usually has some value. And some, some of the, the, the um, like the Hilaire block and mm-hmm. some of the, the, the things that tweak and make fun of that, those moral poems are, are, are actually quite valuable hmm. to read also and, and memorize and to add a little level of humor into it. What do you do with the student who, um, who is resistant to memorization? You know, the, who just don't want to do the 
the discipline part of it or who don't take to it. You know, I don't necessarily mean like they're not capable, but you know, some some kids aren't wired in that way that they just they just remember if you're doing it at morning time then it's out there and then some it, it, once again like charlotte mason said some kids are going to memorize it word perfectly some aren't and mm-hmm. when you get done memorizing it it's it is what it is some people have it some people don't um that that's the one one thing and and i there's no test there's no well you failed that um yeah. you know you have what you have and you don't you don't have what you have don't have the the other thing which i've talked about frequently lately and i probably talked about it on here was the recitation nights um any almost oh, yeah, yeah. every child wants to participate in that and i don't know what it is but that that cures that'll often cure the child who doesn't want to memorize hmm. Um, but my kids always love to memorize for the most part. Um, um, they, we were just always memorizing and it, it was never, and I never did it like, well, we got to hurry up and memorize this. So work, 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 work. Um, yeah, yeah. it was just reading something over and over again until it was in our heart. So there wasn't any stress about it. It wasn't stressful. So maybe that's one key. Don't make it stressful. Um, if, if they, if, if you have a recitation night and they know they're going to have to do something, then usually that they can stress, you know, they can have a little stress on themselves, but that's self chosen. So that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, I guess I, you know, in my experience, I had some older students who just, they clearly had not grown up memorizing. And so for them, it was just a chore. So I imagine if you start young with, with younger kids, it just becomes, you know, a part of, their life and yeah enjoy it. i think it's left to themselves to assign memory work is a little bit harder than just to memorize with as a family or as a class yeah um, maybe if i had a class where i had a lot of kids that were resistant or hadn't memorized i would just read aloud something every day until they had memorized it pretty much or your your point about how even kids who are well like almost all kids like to do the recitations is interesting because my middle son is four. He does not like. He he's kind of group shy. If that makes sense. Right, he, even right. around lots of other kids, he he will kind of get overwhelmed and wander off and hang up by himself. And his older brother is very gregarious and likes to you know, Either. likes to likes to be in front of people and talk to adults and stuff like that. But you know, Jeremiah will when we when they did a recitation with this nature group that they do, they get together once a week and for part of it they they did a they all memorized a poem and then they would all recite it together and do these recitations and stuff. And he was very into that. It's that's, and it's so yeah. interesting. Like he didn't have any, like they could go play and he wouldn't want to play with them. He'd want to hit by himself behind a tree. But when they're up in front of the group and they're rec- reciting poems together, he wants to do that. And I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> it is weird. I remember we had one of ours do that too, where he was always hiding, never being with someone and then one day we were at someone's house and he came out with a guitar and just in front of the whole place just started playing and singing out loud. And we're like, what is this kid hasn't come out of his shell for years. <laughs> uh, suddenly he's like gone. I, I do think like it costumes can help. Like if somebody has on a oh, wig yeah, or yeah. a hat or a pair of glasses, I hmm. think that they, they feel safer and they can, um, that's another thing that you could do with a child who was resistant. Let them dress up a little bit and feel like they're someone else. And then maybe they, that helps break that self-consciousness that they have. Yeah. I have a friend who teaches, uh, like juniors and seniors in high school, I think, and he teaches them rhetoric. And so one of the things that he does, he was just telling me this yesterday, actually. One of the things that he does is he, 
uh, he has them kind of do like they play games where they're characters and they're telling they like have to tell a story together and so there's some kind of a mission they're on or something like a role playing game type kind of right. and so what he'll do is he'll have they have to give a speech where they have to convince everybody else that's taking part of this mission to convince them of something or to convince them to do the plan their way or whatever but they do it they have to give the speech in that character mm. so from that perspective so then when they're not doing it from themselves or for themselves as themselves then the kids who get stage fright and things like that they're able to think about it differently and they 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 process those nerves differently or something i don't it's really interesting and apparently apparently it works pretty well i think that would work and i do think there there's i'm sure there's some under scientific reason why (laughs) yeah yeah. um you're very self-conscious that you that that just helps you get outside of yourself a little bit yeah yeah well i'm gonna go ahead no, no, no. I was going to say lots of actors and actresses claim that they're very shy and that they're, you know, embarrassed at, on a, normally. But when they're in a role, they're able to come out and do that. It's interesting how many actors are very awkward in public interviews, but they're amazing performers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to throw you for a little bit of a loop here because um, I want to pull up a question here that is related to what we're talking about now um and okay and the, the third question that you had noted we had touched on fairly recently so i wanted to jump over to this one okay yeah that, i was that was, I was my related. brain went blank on what we had already done <laughs> okay <laughs> well this one is related to the second question so i want to touch on this jill asks if you have any ideas for bible or devotions during morning time with when you have a wide range of kids so she says she has five boys ages five 15 to three and they all have their own personal bible reading time but she wants to do something all together uh, at least sometimes that could maybe just spark a conversation about spiritual things without her preaching to them. I imagine having boys, the idea of mom preaching to teenage boys is is something of a challenge both for the mom and the boys just to get just navigating the uh, that I don't know I, just navigating what that could be like. Um, the, right. the resistance sometimes, you know, fifteen year old boy probably is you know even if he loves his mom, being preached at by her probably is. A, well, right. Probably no, not, it's not a very not, popular. Thing. Not, not popular. Yeah. So do you have any do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I do think like if you just pick something and read it and then um, with all things, if you. Let's say you're reading Proverbs and there's some Proverbs. Um, um, I, I have three or four ideas and they're tumbling over my head right now. But <laughs> but if you're going to you can go through a period of time where you're reading through the Proverbs every maybe maybe for three or four months, you read straight through the Proverbs and and you just hit uh, if you just hit like the day you're on, like I'm going to read Proverbs 12 today. Um, you're you're then, you know, next month you may miss Proverbs 12 and hit, um, you know, a different proverb. Um, you can go you yeah. can do that. Proverbs are great for preaching and because they are a little preachy. They are some do's and don'ts. Don't do this. Do do this. And it's great to have those in the child's heart. And and. And there is a chance where you could throw out some questions where you could say, do you do you know any examples of this to your children? Like um answer a fool according to his folly. Have you ever done that? You could, you could do some stuff like that where you're not answering it. Don't say, have I know a story about that. Um, don't do that. But if you want to give them a chance to think through it, you could throw out some questions about the verses as you got to them or, or maybe not read very many verses, just read a few and then, um, open it up 
for discussion. The best way to open it up for discussion is just to be quiet. Um, sometimes questions help, but um, just make sure that you make sure it's a safe environment. So when someone says something that absolutely horrifies you, um, you don't shut them down. Hmm. Um because that's that's the temptation. Um, now you know something that you didn't know about the heart of your child, and the, it, it doesn't do any good to react um, um, pan, in a panicked way and start trying to set them straight in front of everybody. All that does is to t- everybody makes a note. Uh, don't tell her what I'm really thinking. <laughs> um, so so there's that. The other thing is you can let them lead the Bible study. Sometimes uh, mm. I would let my older children lead the Bible study. I would I would give them the job uh, of of leading it and and even and they can even they can talk on their own and they can make up things to say and um it's just the thing about mom is that she's already talking so much and she's already teaching so yeah. much and she's already that that it's better for her to hold off as much as she can but but for the child himself to to draw moral conclusions is a little bit um that's okay because everybody knows it's a child or, or, you know, it's just their brother and no, and everybody's guard is down a little bit more than, (laughs) than with the mom. So that, that's one thing. And the other is just, you know, um, always read a little bit of a good book, a basic theological book. Um, RC Sproul has some very, very simple theology books. I know, um, Desiring God Ministries have have lots of little booklets that you could just read a paragraph a day and just um, talk about it or not talk about it. But like I said, make sure that your the mom isn't the book is saying what it's saying. Either let them grapple with it without your help, or mm. um, or just leave it and let it let them grapple with it on their own. Um, so there are lots of places you can get little books um, that are that would be used for a devotional that aren't necessarily devotionals. There's, there's some great um, public there. I think I feel like the publishing world right now, the Christian publishing world has lots of pretty strong theological um, offerings for small children and for older children too. And, and you could, you can um, even a book that if you don't read too much, even a book that's written say um, for, an adult, but it's written on just a basic Christian level. Um, you can read out loud if, as long as you're just reading small amounts. Yeah. So, pro- um, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm just rambling. Well, so approach it kind of like like Plutarch, like you, where you just maybe yes, read a yes. page or something at a time. Yeah, I mean, a page, a paragraph, even just uh, you don't have to read a whole lot, and and you'll make it. I mean, I did that for years, and we made it through lots of books. Um, uh, we made. Uh, I I used to really like R.C. Sproul's book uh, Grace Unknown, and I like um, there's there's um, there's uh, John. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned some of these in the handbook, but uh, John Piper has the Fifty Reasons Jesus Came to Die. Those are very short chapters, and you you can read one of those a day, no problem. Uh, it's just a page each day, or or even um, even Spurgeon or morning one of the morning to morning or evening to evening, uh, reading through those, and just just I mean if you read if you read Spurgeon, you don't need to preach. He's preaching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in the in both both your books, you talk about uh, singing hymns together and praying together and things like that. I assume that that would this this would fit right in with that. 
Oh, um, yeah, definitely. I, I would definitely tag my hymn singing onto my devotional time. And, 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 and I, I always, it's even, when we went to a parish press and Greg Wilbur was the song leader, he would let us know ahead, the week ahead what we were going to be singing the next week often. And I would make a playlist and um, we would sing those hymns during the week. And that was fantastic to tie it to mm. our church attendance. Mm. Um, yeah. that, that was a really great. I, I loved that when that all came together, because then when we got to church on Sunday, we really were ready to participate. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea especially if the, if the church plans ahead. You talked about how you might let your, your kids lead a devotional or something. Would you let young, like younger kids do that too? I mean, obviously we on a rudimentary level, but just getting the, just getting them up there. Or, or I would. Put it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, anybody who could in any way, I would let them do that. I always like to let, whenever we were asking questions, like in morning time, when I'd say, does anybody know who, um, who, you know, some question, um, I might have just as a curiosity, I always, we always like to ask the little guys first because their answers were always so fascinating <laughs> uh, and would give us a big laugh and, but, but yeah, letting the little guys lead is, it's good. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're puffing them up into thinking they're so great or anything. I, I think it, it's it, anytime we teach, we learn and, and if they, you know, sometimes I would just say in morning time, does anybody have anything from their devotions that they, their personal devotions that they'd like to share? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It depends on the, the culture of your family at a given moment, whether that is a good idea, whether <laughs> that goes over well or not. Yeah. But there it could, it could just be people well. judging each other for the things they're fighting about. Yes. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> might say, well, I read that you shouldn't, you know, you should turn the other cheek. <laughs> Because obviously someone else wasn't turning the other cheek. <laughs> exactly. You should share. This says you should share your things. That's Give right. Give the code <laughs> off your own bat. So, um, so far we've mainly talked about boys because um, that's what Jill's was, experience was. But did you find that your daughter had a different approach or felt differently about Bible study times than the way your boys did? Because I, I imagine, you know, I don't know if that would, you know, that you would say that there's a, a higher degree of sensitivity to, to spiritual things, but sometimes girls, especially when younger, are maybe more thoughtful or more willing to sit and contemplate things than boys. And I realize I made a sweeping, hasty generalization there, but yeah, uh, but I'm nonetheless. <laughs> the question stands. Yeah, you're going to maintain. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you, <laughs> you don't know, care who I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to hedge slightly, but still. Um, yeah. Well, that's what generalizations are for. Exactly. Uh, I say that we have to generalize in order to communicate. Yeah, that exactly. doesn't mean all our generalizations hold up, but but we, we have to start somewhere, and that's what why we have generalizations. We understand that for some of you, your boys are very spiritually sensitive. <laughs> yeah, and I had, I mean, I had some of my boys were obviously more sensitive than others, and um, my daughter happened to be a very uh, deep, sensitive person. And very um, personality wise, I don't know if it's because she was a boy, I mean, because she was a girl, but um, she definitely had, um, but it, she, she wasn't, she was also very um, introverted and she wasn't someone that wanted to share or be okay, out there yeah, with everything yeah. either. So I imagine um, all the loud boys probably 
didn't give her a ton of space anyway. No, no. I, I mean, really, I've said that before about her. But, you know, it, my daughter was not you would not look at my daughter and say, oh, what an emotional basket case she was because she wasn't. But yeah. she, yeah, she yeah. really was in an environment where she could be emotional or where that was something that would be understood. And I think that was unfortunate for her. Mm. Um, so, it, it, you know, for, because the boys just weren't naturally emotional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think that. um that that i mean if you i mean you have enough wisdom i think and enough experience and have known enough people that you could answer this but if you had been in a family with um the, with the inverse where you had a lot of girls and fewer boys would you have to approach the way you did your bible study differently or or do you think that you would have done yeah, it the same way i, I imagine so i i think with girls you have a little more self-righteousness maybe a little more goody two-shoes stuff going on i'm mm. not my my daughter wasn't like that but um because she, you know like she was in a different environment yeah but yeah. i've seen families with a lot of girls and like a, a, a lot of times when you have a family with the girls or or an older girl and boys um the older girls are very very um bossy towards the boy Mm. Um, they, 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 the, the girls are, are very, they, they, they don't understand boys. And, and instead of thinking, I don't understand boys, they think, why is he acting that way? That is, nobody acts that way. That's not a good way to act. And so there's a lot of misunderstanding. And sometimes if mom's feeling that way too, she can miss the fact that her boy is being nagged to death by a group of women. So I've seen that quite a bit. So I definitely would, it, if you have a mix, then you have to be, um, aware of that those kind of issues where number one like we had the issue where the boys were not sensitive to the fact that emotions are completely normal and number two in and in the reverse of that would be that that we don't that moms aren't sensitive to the girl becoming self-righteous about feminine characteristics as opposed to masculine ones mm. so there's that but then in an all-girl family I, I i don't know i really don't know how that would what that would look like i can't <laughs> I, I, it, it feels a little scary it. to th- imagine. So, um, but I know families that have all girls, and they they have beautiful, lovely families. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure the conversation. Well, I don't know. Conversation might from flow more freely about spiritual things. Maybe you get less distracted. I have no idea. I I had younger sisters, but you know, right, not, right. That's different. I don't have any girls now. My kids aren't old enough anyway, but. Um, I have no idea what I would do with a girl. So, <laughs> yeah. Did you think your sisters were more like spiritually minded than, or looked more spiritually minded than you did as you were growing up? That's a good question. Um, no, I don't. No, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I thought about it that way. They were younger and. Um, yeah, yeah. They weren't trying been, to control if, you. If they well, they may they may yet have still have been. I don't know, but um, they uh, if they had been older. I might have thought about that differently. Right, right. I don't know. Um, I This is the first time I've ever thought about it. So, like in yeah. this way, you know. Well, we would like you to say something that your sisters could get really mad if they ever heard it. And they- <laughs> <laughs> I could think of many things that they'd get mad yeah. about me saying, on, saying publicly. Um, I could tell the story about the time when my brother and I uh, read Tom Sawyer and then started thinking oh, no. of mischievous things we could do. So we found a bunch of my sister's, um, like 
a hat she liked and a bag, a purse she liked. I mean, she was probably 10 and we were probably like 13 and 12 or something. So we went into behind the shed and we dug a big hole and we buried it. And then like four years later, they all got dug up somehow (laughs) accidentally. And she was like, here's my stuff. But that was, you know. That's that was more like kind of stuff that happened. Wow, you guys house. were you kept your mouth shut. You didn't you want that glory of her finding out that her stuff was missing and and uh, my or guess, were you scared at that point to no, tell her? My guess is we probably just forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's I'll have to ask her how she remembers that story. But um, yeah, you don't don't let your kids read Tom Sawyer. I guess is the is the, is the rule there. Uh, and the, 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 the worst for that is the great brain. If the kids want, when you, we always knew when someone in our family had started reading the great brain because they started trying <laughs> to manipulate the great brain would always manipulate everybody around him with his great brain <laughs> and outsmart everybody. So they were constantly, we had to make a rule. You couldn't make any deals in our family because <laughs> the poor younger person was constantly getting uh, yeah outsmarted. Yeah, by by stuff. Out experience. I remember one was like Atlanta. They got a brand new thing for their birthday, and like the next day, they had already lost it. And my husband finally said, "No, give it back. They, if you can't swindle somebody out of their birthday yeah. gift." He's eight years younger than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, anyway, um, that's that's three questions for this for this month. Do you have any yeah. final thoughts you want to have? Just want to offer while we wrap up. Uh, no, I think I think it might be f- maybe in the future here we can do just a complete uh, book episode where we talk about um, reading great books to read aloud or something like that because I know we've had some questions about like, yeah. specific books and we can, I'll do, I'll do some research and Perfect. maybe we can have that in the next Q and A if people want to think about that or yes yeah, um, so, okay so if you have any questions that are specific to that whether you have questions about specific books you're concerned about or you just need advice on um, what to read in general, or you have different ages, or what, whatever your questions are related to read aloud, reading great books aloud, post those questions over on the Mere Brotherhood Facebook group, and we will address some of those in November for the for the Q and A episode. Um, I guess with that, uh, this has been the the Q and A episode of the Mason Jar. Thanks so much for listening. Um, please uh, remember to review, uh, subscribe to the Mason Jar feed. Um, if you're just subscribing to the to the Cersei Podcast Network feed, we certainly appreciate that. But also would appreciate it if you would uh, subscribe to the Mason Jar feed so we can just get a sense of how many people are actually listening to the show. And um, reviews and comments and all that are, are certainly welcome. Um, thank you so much for all the great feedback we've been getting and for participating in the conversations over on the Mere Motherhood page. Um, I keep being struck by how much wisdom and experience and um, smart women there are over there that I'm kind of eavesdropping on and um, passing little tidbits on to to my wife. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've been so happy. There have been some questions that I um, had thought one thing and then I hear somebody else and I thought, wow, this is good to hear both sides of this. I really appreciate that. Yeah, Yeah, I like that because I I like that there's... um, I guess you could say disagreement, but there's just conversation in a way that's just civil and people are sharing their experiences and um, it doesn't seem like anybody's, you know, people can disagree without getting in fights. So, um, Right, right. I like that. It's good to, It's good for us to iron sharpen, let iron sharpen iron. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, again, thanks to everyone who's been listening. Uh, be on the lookout for lots of great content over the next few, few weeks and, and for the rest of this fall. Um, and uh, 
especially here on the Mason Jar. So uh, for Cindy Rollins, for all of us here on uh, the Cersei Podcast Network at the Cersei Institute, I'm David Kern saying farewell. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.